Hello and welcome to episode four of Motorsport with Leverage, the official Leverage Promotions podcast. I'm Adam Leverage, the founder and managing director of Leverage Promotions. And in each episode, I'll be engaging in topical and sometimes quirky discussions with key figures from every rung of the motorsport ladder, from karting to Formula One. I'm here to take you right into the action in pit lanes around the world at some of the highest profile motorsport events. The 2022 season had no sooner ended before the 2023 announcements started coming thick and fast. We're going to be focusing on the news that three-time Asian Le Mans champions Algarve Pro Racing will be returning to the series in 2023. After a year away, the Portugal-based team will return to Dubai Autodrome and Abu Dhabi's Yas Marina circuit with a stellar Pro-Am driver lineup featuring John Falb, James Allen and a brand new face to LMP2 prototype competition, Kiffin Simpson. Then came the news that RLRM Sport is also set for an Asian Le Mans comeback with a sole Ligier JSP320 for American single-seater contender Vijoy Garg, Dubai-based radical racer Amir Faizulin and LMP3 podium finisher Andre Latour. We will be joined by Kiffin and all three of RLRM Sports drivers shortly. But first up is John Faub. John, it's great to have you with us. So you last competed in the Asian Le Mans series in 2021, achieving podium finishes. How do you reflect on that season and the experience as a whole? Yes, the Asian Le Mans series is a fantastic program because it allows you to get four races done in, in two weeks. So we have nine, car, nine cars in LMP2, all requiring a bronze, and the bronze has to qualify. So it makes for a much more interesting program. I think all the cars have extremely competitive lineups, and this will be the largest P2 field ever in in Asia and and the largest field in total. Yeah, it is looking to be the most competitive season yet. 48 provisional entries, including nine cars in P2. What do you think of the entry list? Yeah, they they haven't published all of the drivers, but I pretty much know who's going to be in the cars. And every team is running a top-notch professional program, but in a proper professional and amateur driver lineup. It looks like, you know, every car is going to have one bronze and then two really fast co-drivers. So I expect the competition to be even better than in ELMS or Le Mans. This might be the most competitive Pro-Am P2 series to date. Considering that, how do you feel about returning to the Asian Le Mans series this year? And what's the chief objective this time around? Well, I'm super excited about going back to the Asian Le Mans series. They've they've done a great job. The series has done a lot of work to make it easier for the teams. I think my objective, as it always is, is to go out there and, and do my best. I mean, the prize is certainly to win the series and secure an entry to the the hundredth year of the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Unfortunately, you, you can't focus on that goal and expect to get it. You have to do all of the work and get the results. I have a new teammate, Kiffin, younger driver who has an immense amount of talent. 
and I expect will be extremely fast. I always really enjoy working with younger drivers because they don't have as much endurance racing experience, but mm -hmm. once they kind of really get their arms around it, uh, they tend to do extremely well. I know he's going to have some experience, I believe, at Daytona this year. Mm -hmm. So he'll be able to bring that along with him in February. And I expect we'll hit the ground running. And then with James Allen, of course, we've been, we've been racing together all season in 2022. And we did, you know, some racing in, in 2021. We get along very well, and, and I know he's extremely rapid and, and solid. The APR team, you know, just continues to get better and better as time goes on. So, you know, I expect to have a great car and, and, and you know, again, hit the ground running. Well, John, thank you very much for your time. I wish you all the best for the 2023 Asian Le Mans Series. And we're actually now joined by your teammate, Kiffin Simpson. Kiffin, a very warm welcome. Thank you. So, born in Barbados, raised in the Cayman Islands, is there much of a motorsport culture there? Not really in the Cayman Islands, unfortunately. There aren't any racetracks here. But in Barbados, there was a racetrack that one of my dad's good friends owned. All his family was huge into motorsports. They did all sorts of stuff like rallying and... Uh, they race radicals, if you know what that is, at that track, mm -hmm. and go-karts and whatever else. So I got into it mainly through them. Okay, so was karting just something you did for fun at that point? Yeah, yeah, it was quite casual. The first time I drove a go-kart was 2014, I think, okay. in the summer. Then it wasn't until, I don't know, March or so 2015 that I started doing races. Then as I got into it, I started watching Formula One races and started realizing that I can make a career out of it. Even at that age, I was still probably 10, 11. So I, I didn't know that it would be my career, but I knew I loved it and wanted to keep doing it. Okay, so at that point you had the bug for motor racing, but did you look up to anybody? Did anybody inspire you? The friend that got me into it, he, started racing in america and then eventually racing in europe and just kept moving up the ladder he's in f2 now his name is zane maloney and uh -huh. i was very competitive with him because he was my friend of course. so uh, yeah. i kept wanting to race him and uh beat him and all that unfortunately we never really raced each other outside of barbados but because of the age difference he kept moving on to the next place as i would get there it was still great because I got into like American racing through him and mm -hmm. and continuing my career because of that. It sounds as though taking on Zane is a very important box to tick. Yeah. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah. By all accounts, you had a very successful karting career in both the Caribbean and Florida. Did racing come naturally? I don't know. That That's probably something more of a question for my coaches because uh, okay. they were the ones that had to deal with all my mistakes but, um, <laughs> there are quite a few were there but, yeah probably uh, I, I remember after every session there was always quite a few things to go over mm -hmm. so uh, you always learn as you go and um, eventually figure it out how to do it right do it well keep practicing and then you you don't really make as many mistakes and that's 
that you've won races. How about your graduation to single-seaters? How did that go? Um, moving into single-seaters was easier. Um, I didn't find it too difficult at first, mostly because of how much karting I did and uh, how accustomed I got to adapting to different different carts, different uh, tires, different tracks, different whatever. So it kind of was a little bit more easy because when I went from uh, Barbados karting to American karting, I wasn't accustomed to all the tracks and all the tires and all the engines and everything like that because everything was different in Barbados. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was a big change going from Barbados to American karting. Okay. But from American karting to cars wasn't too difficult well you went on to utterly dominate the 2021 formula regional americas championship seven wins 13 podiums to secure the title with a race to spare it's a remarkable tally and you would look at the numbers and think you had an easy time of it but i'm guessing it wasn't that straightforward we started off the season really strong clean sweeping uh the first round at road atlanta and then after that, it got a little bit more difficult. Road America, I I was quick, and I probably should have won all of those races, but I made a big mistake on one of the starts and stalled it. I think the next round was mid-Ohio. There, I was I didn't have a great weekend. Uh, lots of things didn't really go our way. It wasn't totally easy the whole way through. We had our trials. That success opened up quite a few doors for you, didn't it? Was that a watershed season for you? For sure. It was It was my first real success in cars. The year before, I did like a split season with F4 the first half and F4 the second half. And I didn't have a ton of success that year. I mean, I had some decent races that I was quite proud of for my first year in racing, but mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't really anything special. So then jumping into the next year and having such a such a dominant year, I was very happy with that, and I think it gave me a lot of confidence, and I learned a lot from it, Okay. and uh, it helped me progress a lot. Well, you landed a development driver role with Chip Ganassi Racing, didn't you? What did that entail? I get to learn from all their drivers and staff, and uh, I get to be in on all their team meetings if I have time to obviously because i'm also doing my own races on the same weekends usually mm -hmm. so um if i'm able to i try to get into their meetings and learn from all of them about what they've been learning over the weekend and get myself ready for when i'm eventually in indycar at that moment you twinned your single seater endeavors with an endurance sports car campaign in the imsa michelin endurance cup what prompted that were sports cars always on your radar not really. In 2021, I also did the HPD GT3 Academy, which was uh, four rounds with um, just testing at different tracks, learning GT3 cars and learning how to drive them and learning about endurance racing, fuel saving, tire management. Through the relationship with Honda, after winning the Formula Regional Championship, Honda was the engine supplier, and they had a prize for winning it, which was going to do Super Formula in Japan. Oh, but wow. at the time, Japan wasn't very open because of COVID. Mm. So they were helpful and changed it more into a GT3 drive. So I got to do that last year. 
I thought the GT3 Academy was incredibly helpful. I thought all of it really prepared me well for my first race was the race of the Roar last year. I suppose that's backed up by your performance at this year's Petit Le Mans, where you went from last to first in GTD. Can you tell me about that? It was a pretty interesting weekend. We'd come off of Watkins Glen having um, an electrical problem that we thought we solved. And then we got to a Road Atlanta test and everything ran fine. And then we went into the Road Atlanta race and the whole practice went well. Then we got to qualifying and we had a turbo problem and it was all linked to an electrical harness issue. So they had to change everything. They eventually found what the problem was, changed it out. We got out for the race, but we had to start last. The whole way through the race, the team did a great job with strategy and pit stops. Everything went flawless. All the drivers did great. Mario and Till, they both had really good stints, both made up a lot of spots. And then, yeah, it just came down to the end. We were able to catch up to the leading car. On the last stint, we just overtook him in the pits a little bit. And then a safety car came out that ended the race. And now you're getting set for your maiden LMP2 outing in the 2023 Rolex 24 at Daytona, which will precede your overseas racing debut with Algarve Pro in the Asian Le Mans series. How did the latter come about? I was really looking for doing a lot this year to really, really improve my skills. I really enjoyed the GT3 car last year, but as you'd imagine, it's not really the kind of speed that I'm accustomed to with the Indy Lights car. So trying to prepare for IndyCar eventually. I thought that um, doing something with more horsepower and more downforce would be helpful. So we were looking at LMP2 stuff and we were able to find uh, Algarve to do some Asian Le Mans stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. And then also the IMSA stuff as well this year. You tested with Algarve Pro in this year's FIA WEC rookie test in Bahrain. Yep. How was your first experience in LMP2 machinery? I thought it was really good. Um, I thought Bahrain was a cool track. It, I found it quite similar to Laguna, which I thought, which I think is also a really cool track. It was great driving the track. It was great driving the car. The car was quick. It was a, a lot to get used to, but I thought it was really nice. The way it drove was not like something I've driven before. So it was a little bit to get used to, but it was a lot of fun. You made that comparison between Bahrain International Circuit and Laguna Seca. I can't say I've ever heard that before, so what makes the tracks similar? They seem to be both quite low grip, and I think it's because of the way the sand blows across the track. Okay, and what about the Orica 07 LMP2? Did it surprise you in any way? I was quite surprised about how the traction control worked. I didn't realize that there were two different types of traction control you could adjust, which is the slip and the gain. How much it kicks in is the gain, and when it kicks in is the slip. So I found it quite cool that you could play with that and uh, really adjust exactly how you want the TC to work. I'm quite comfortable with the car now. After doing two tests in it now with the Daytona test as well under my belt, I'm feeling quite confident. Excellent. So looking ahead to the Asian Le Mans series where you'll be partnered with John Faub and James Allen, what do you hope to achieve there? Well, 
you know, hopefully Rice wins. That'd be great. Always looking for wins. Wins are great. Um, that's why we race, so. Okay, and along with the title comes an automatic entry to the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Is Le Mans something you would like to do? That is something I thought about, but I think we were looking at the schedule and it falls right between two races at Detroit and Road America for me and Indy Lights. Mm. I think I would miss the practice days, though it, I wouldn't be allowed to, I think. Okay, well, I wish you all the best for the Rolex 24 and the Asian Le Mans series. Kiffin Simpson, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Next up, we turn our attention to RLRM Sport by welcoming the British team's 2023 Asian Le Mans recruits. We'll speak with Amir Faizulin and Andre Latoy in just a minute, but first up is American single-seater racer and newcomer to LMP3, Bajoy Garg. So, let's go right back to the beginning. Was it always the dream to make a career of motor racing? That was in the back of my mind, but I don't think it's like... That was fully my ambition until uh, a year or two after I got in. So I started racing uh, in 2016, and for like 2016 and 2017, it was definitely very important for me, mm -hmm. but it was more of like a hobby for me. I wasn't like fully involved. Sure. And then I think for 2018, I started becoming more involved and just getting into it a lot more, and that's when I realized I'm not bad at, I'm not bad at driving, you know? <laughs> Of course, since 2019, you've been on the road to Indy, competing in F4, USF 2000, and Indy Pro in the States. How has your ascent up the open wheeler ladder been thus far? Honestly, could have been a bit smoother, but I think I'm still pretty happy with where I'm at. Like, even though, um, you know, we had a whole year that was pretty much wasted in 2021, I think I still learned a lot from it. Yeah, you, t you, le you learn what you can and you, you still try to become a, bet a better driver even if uh, the equipment isn't quite there. 2022 is uh, a bit weird. Definitely still improved, still improved as a driver and we definitely have the package for the first few races then just sort of fell off. Is the ultimate aim the IndyCar series? That's what I'm going toward. However, I understand you recently enjoyed a rather successful LMP3 test at Sebring. What did you take away from that test, and how did the LMP3 compare to the single-seaters you're accustomed to? For my first time, uh, I think it was pretty good. It went, yeah, definitely went better than I expected, for sure. Uh, the LMP3 is just very different. It's just so much more weight, and um, it's just a very different style of driving. It's it's way less aggressive. I think I got used to it by the end. It definitely still needs a bit of work, but I think I'm getting there with learning how to drive the prototype fast and just all the differences and going back and forth between the two. Of course, you mentioned that the ultimate aim is still IndyCar, but do you see opportunities to make a career out of endurance sports car racing? Definitely, definitely. I've seen a lot of my teammates do it. I've seen a lot of the guys I'm close to sort of do it and be successful at it. Watching them has definitely inspired me to try it. You know, obviously we have to see how the first few races this year go, but yeah, I think if they go well, definitely could uh, be a, a very viable future. Looking ahead to the Asian Le Mans series, 
What are your aspirations going into your maiden LMP3 campaign with RLRM Sport? Honestly, just uh, just to do the best job I can and just to keep improving as a driver. You know, endurance racing multi with the multi-class, with the car, with the pit stops, with everything is just so new to me. So yeah, it's definitely going to be just do the best job I can, learn as much as I can, and hopefully be able to show a bit of pace as well, you know? I'm sure you will, and I hope that then translates into some results. Let's hear what your teammates have to say, because we're now crossing over to Dubai to join Golf Radical Cup racer Amir Faizulin. Amir, it's great to have you along. Let's start by talking about how you first got into motor racing. Hi, Adam, again. When I was a schoolboy, maybe I was eight, I was in summer camp. And in this uh, moment, there were a lot of different sections, it's football, uh, swimming, and also karting. And I started okay. karting. I was keen and I was happy to drive uh, different cars. Okay, great. It sounds like it was just a bit of fun at that point. No, it was only for fun. I, I worked a lot after and uh, I was student. I worked, I do, uh, I did a lot of businesses and uh, it was only like uh, for fun. I moved to Dubai seven years ago and I visited Dubai to Drome and I met uh, Tim. They offered me to try and after one year I started, I bought uh, first my, my first radical mm-hmm. and I started, I started race. So you mentioned that you've held an entry in the Gulf Radical Cup. You've been there from 2018 to the present day. And you've also piloted a BMW M4 GT4 in the Gulf 12 hours, two years running in 2021 and 2022. Are those skills and experiences transferable to LMP3? I think more transferable from experience from Radical, uh, I would say. It was about uh, GT4, from my perspective, it's another cup of tea, another side of driving, I would say it's better. After Radical, it's much better to drive LMP3. Is that purely because they're both aero cars? Yeah, yeah, it's aero cars. And when I drove a GT4 after finished, I understood that from for me, it's much better aero cars than body cars, than usual cars. The feelings and emotions much better for me when I drive aero cars. That's why I started thinking about LMP3, because I spoke with my team in uh, Dubai. They recommended me to try LMP3. And of course, you went on to test one of RLRM Sports Ligiers with coaching from Alex Kapadia in Portimao in October. Yes. How was that for you, coming from Radicals? It was, it was amazing, really. I was shocked uh, and uh, unbelievable from my perspective. I loved this one. And Alex helped me a lot, and Tim also helped me. And uh, uh, after two days, I got a quite quite good result uh, that they sent me. And uh, I was very happy, and I was very satisfied with this uh, car and with, with Tim. And after this, I decided to try Aishaliman in this season. Excellent. But was it a big step up from the Radical? Yes, a big step from, from my Radical. Absolutely. And after LMP3, from my perspective, I got good results in my usual racing in Radical. That's really great to hear because, of course, you'll continue competing in the Gulf Radical Cup in 2023. But you're also getting set for your maiden Asian Le Mans series campaign. So what are your hopes for that? First of all, I would I, I want to say that for me, both track is very understandable and I am very experienced with this track. 
that's why I think I will I will get a good a good results on these trucks. Also, I live in Dubai and I spend a lot of time in Abu Dhabi. It's like my home. Uh-huh. That's why you know it's sport home. Home was also will help. From my perspective, I want to get podium, but uh, we will see. Like no, no, nobody knows. <laughs> exactly, anything can happen. In that case, do you have any broader goals in motorsport? I like, I love motorsport, sport, and I, I want to continue. And from my perspective, in my age, you, I must increase my level and make more good timing and spread my experience for different cars, different uh, races, different trucks. That's that's my expectation. I want to participate more, uh, more and different countries and different uh, teams. Maybe I don't know something like this. Well, there's no denying you've certainly made a good start on that. Amir Faizulin, thank you very much for your time. It's much appreciated. I wish you all the best for the Asian Le Mans series. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Glad to hear you. And we round out this episode of Motorsport with Leverage with Michelin Le Mans Cup podium finisher Andre Latour, who's coming to us from a ski resort in Europe. Thank you for taking time out of your family holiday to speak to us. No, thank you. Thank you for, for having me, Adam. It's an absolute pleasure. I understand you're a very successful businessman as managing director of Latour and Dutch Coffee in Australia. How long has your company been operational? So we, I started the business in, in 2009. I'm, I'm originally from Colombia and I, I moved I, I moved to Australia and, and saw a gap in, in, in the coffee industry there. And, and there was great cafe culture, but the quality of, let's say, agricultural uh, coffee, meaning green coffee or the commodity part of it was, wasn't that great. So okay. I saw an opportunity back then and started speaking with some farmers that I knew back in Colombia and some relationships that I had and and basically started started promoting uh, coffee-like wine, uh-huh. um, which is now basically very used all around the world as the term specialty coffee. Torin Dutch is a, is a B2B brand. We supply, you know, we've sold coffee to some Coke brands. We've sold to Lavazza, Starbucks, Nespresso, Nestle, and obviously, well, um, I grew the business to sell worldwide, so mm-hmm. we've sold to a lot of boutiques as well, boutiques, small small uh, roasters around the world. And racing has been my passion since I was young and sort of my vision and that sort of Revere as a brand is, is an expression of, of my dream becoming true. So Revere as, as, a, as the okay. word is, is to, to aspire. And and obviously, well, through through sponsorship, through the through the racing, I couldn't I couldn't spot I couldn't promote or I wouldn't get a lot of benefit of promoting Latran Dutch because it's a B two B brand. Riviera as a brand existed already, but then Riviera Coffee as a as a sister brand to Riviera Racing was created with a vision of selling retail coffee products that mm-hmm. are convenient, good quality, convenient and fast. Basically, mm-hmm. words that are reminiscent to racing. You know, you, you need mm-hmm. to win. You need a, a fast car, good quality mechanics, teams, machinery, and convenience. Well, obviously, everyone everyone lives lives in the fast lane, lives fast, and everyone wants a convenient cup of coffee. So, so that's sort of why Revere Coffee was born. Ultimately, for me, it's it's to make racing sustainable. 
unfortunately. I'm not in a position, even though my business is successful, I'm, I'm not in a position to be self-funding all of my racing programs. So, okay. so obviously, the vision of this brand is to subsidize and eventually cover most of the, of the racing budget, eventually. I imagine Colombians really know their coffee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we do. Yet, you only came to motorsport in 2020. How did it all begin? I did some karting when I was very young and uh, one of my coaches back in the day, obviously for a short while before he left to the US was Juan Pablo Montoya, which he, awesome. as you probably know, was a was a very successful Formula One driver. Mm. Unfortunately, my dad didn't have the money sort of to fund anything further as, as the majority of, of, of the kids have the same issue. And that was it for then. And I think that created my drive to to also build a business and, and, and be successful because I always wanted to get back into racing. And in 2016, I bought a F430 GT3 Scuderia, which I raced a bit in Australia. And then I, I did a bit of, of, of production sports racing in a 695 Aceto Corsa Bath, a Maserati GT4. Then I bought an LMP3 and I raced it a bit in the in the prototype series in Australia. The idea was to race in an LMP3 Australia, but that never happened. So yeah, that's sort of when when I decided to make the move to to start racing in Europe. And fi financially, it wasn't that different. Unfortunately, in Australia, the distances are so vast that that racing is very expensive. So it ticked many boxes. One financially, and two obviously racing in Europe is the aspiration of everyone. So, so right. that's why I decided to start my racing program in okay, in fantastic. Europe. In twenty twenty one, you started racing LMP three prototypes. Was it a steep learning curve? Well, I guess it it, it is, and, and and you learn a lot every time every time you're out. Unfortunately, in the in the series that I was. There was a lot of limited time because we're uh, in the Mission Lima Cup. We're a supporting race to the LMS. And then obviously a lot of it was dragged with red flags and stuff. So getting used to each circuit as, as a new circuit, basically, yes, was, was a bit challenging. But every race, I think we learned. And, and regardless of the fact, there was positives in, in every race. And if we count the races that I've done, six this year, 2022 and, and two, in 2021 mm -hmm. so that is eight races in 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 let's say uh lmp3 top class and i've had a, a sixth place uh, uh we had a podium uh, a tenth place and then all, all all the other sort of were hovering around 16th uh 20th and that was once again short races a lot a lot starting in a in a bad bad grid position and and in a in a short two-hour race it's hard to make up a lot of spaces and and as you probably know, the the Michelin Cup grid is very tight. Yeah. It's very competitive. So it, it was a good it was a good learning curve. You mentioned your podium result. How was that for you? Yeah, it was it was a dream come true. Obviously, it was Imola, and we had good expectations for the weekend. We had good pace, so we knew we had a good car. Once again, one of one of my weaknesses, I guess, is is I'm really good in long stints. I can make consistently a lot of time. And my tire deck is really good, but getting the, the, the best out of a tire in one or two laps, I still need to learn. Since I had to quality the car, we were always uh, qualifying out of uh, seat or in a, in a bad position. So we just built up to it, and I made, I think, 10 positions in my stint, uh, which put us 14. 
then always because of United and our engineer uh, Christian, we were really, really good in pit stops and, and, and strategy, the, the small strategy you can do in Mission Lima Cup. Then I think from that, we gained another four spots. So we were eighth or, or tenth. And then it led to a, there was a time that all the five United LMP3 cars were fighting for position and it was very nerve wracking, but very, very good racing, clean, tough racing. And some crashes that happened later, and, and some good passes from Garnet, and and and, we, and and a penalty at that that sort of of, of a car that that was in front of us, which gave us the podium, and mm. and yeah, it was a dream come true. Yeah, it was certainly a dramatic race, and I think it will live long in the memory. But of course, you've just been announced for RLRM Sports 2023 Asian Le Mans Series campaign. What are your targets for that? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, I want to thank RLR and, and everyone in the team. They've been so, so supportive of, of the project, of me, of, of believing in, 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 in my vision and believing in, in my potential. I, I guess it's it's the, it's the best way to say it. I'm still reasonably young uh, to be a bronze driver. So I think there's a lot of potential that, that eventually I can I can reach to. And they believed in me. So I really want to thank them. And Obviously, part of that, which I agree, was I need more track time, and I think the Asia Le Mans Championship as a as a as a winter, let's say Europe Europe winter championship, it's great because it really builds you up to the European season. Then it's very very hectic, two weeks full of of nonstop practice, racing, qualifying. So I'm really excited, sort of, to get you know, get back in the car and, and be two weeks nonstop in the car because I think I'm going to improve a lot of my uh, racecraft in, 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 that, in that championship. You mentioned you're a relatively young bronze driver with a lot of potential. So what's the dream? Well, I think I, I have high, high expectations of myself. I, I pretend to be a really fast bronze driver. I probably, you know, hoping to be around the average of the top ones. And, and if I can reach that, if I can be... Uh, one of the fastest bronze and then being very, very good at, at finding a, a, a pro, a silver that I can race well with. Yeah. Obviously, my, my ambition is to to get more podiums, win more races and, and eventually uh, win a championship. Okay, well, I hope the Asian Le Mans series serves you well and you continue on an upward trajectory. Andre Latour, thank you. Thank you, Adam, and looking forward to meeting you hopefully soon. Be sure to follow Algarve Pro Racing and RLRM Sport on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for all the latest news and updates. That's it for this episode of Motorsport with Leverage and for 2022. I look forward to bringing you even more content in 2023 and I wish you all a very happy, healthy and successful new year.